Backtalk is an extension of the long-running, award-winning movie review show, It's Movie Time, which airs Fridays at 4.01 and 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM, Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSando, this podcast version features additional content and banter with guests. I'm John DeSando. And I'm the guest, Mary Urena. And this is Backtalk. We have a good one today, Mary. Well, just give it away, John. <laughs> All right, it's called American Fiction. I see it creeping up towards Oscar in some way or another, either as a film, it's probably not going to be seen by enough people, but Jeffrey Wright's performance should be nominated. Do you I think? Agree. you agree? I agree. And I also think the writer director, and I think he co-produced as well, Cord Jefferson, will likely get a nod, especially for adapted screenplay. Good. So Jeffrey Wright plays Monk Ellison, Thelonious Monk (laughs) Ellison, who is a college professor of English and literature and a fiction writer who has been having trouble selling his books and is currently looking for a publisher for his newest novel. And he's informed by his agent that his he's being told that his books aren't black enough. Mary, let me say that I don't see that Monk really has a writer's block. No, he yeah. doesn't at all. Yeah, yeah, which he's, is kind of strange, you would have thought, but no. What he's being told and what he's seeing is the success of other writers who write what would be considered pandering to the tropes and stereotypes of the black experience in America. And so he decides to, as a pointed joke, write (laughs) my pathology with an F, (laughs) my pathology, to as j- to throw in every possible stereotype and trope as a joke, and it turns out that it garners interest. And how that plays out in terms of book sales and advances and a movie deal takes part of the rest of the movie. The other part that I found surprising, which wasn't as evident in the trailer, is that it coincides with a, a family drama of what his his real life is like and what his family is like. Now and then I thought, wow, they're really pushing this black life, high-low class in his writing, maybe just a little bit too much. But I did find that the family drama is quite interesting. It's quite interesting, and it's so well cast. It, it was a pleasure to watch all of these actors in their roles um, <laughs> because it's a... Very highly accomplished family, but it's also a very dysfunctional family. Yes. While he is playing with the street culture and the argot that he so well puts into his novel and makes people think that he's really a convict or he's on the run, he's a fugitive on the run. Under a pseudonym. Under a pseudonym, (laughs) right, right, right. But that, in fact, they're actually... upper middle class family. I mean, they've got two doctors and a PhD. Dad, when we don't see, he was very, apparently pretty bright. So I, I thought that there was something I had to a little bit, consider a little bit. The subject of his book that reads so much uh, acclaim is down below, yet they're living a conflicted life up above. And so that's where the the tensions and the interest in the film really lies for me. Though I thought it was a little bit of a cop-out that he wasn't just 
a, a laborer. Well, then you wouldn't have a, an accomplished writer because there are some funny, funny scenes with regards to him fighting for what he believes is right in his work, especially the scene at the bookstore where he finds his novels in That's the African American <laughs> studies section and berates a low level dork. a <laughs> low level store clerk about where his books are and proceeds to like take all of the copies yes, and is carrying yes. them to a different part yes. of the, the store. So there are some very funny, funny moments of that dichotomy of somebody who does have his PhDs, yes. obviously very intelligent. And he's very frustrated that the world isn't up to his standard. Oh, yes. And uh, and you have good friends who are academicians, as I do. Academician and, yourself. And me too, right? And, <laughs> and when you get to the writing, which is always a sticky and difficult part, particularly, let's, let's say, profs at OSU who really have to publish, it's always difficult to be able to comply with the expectations of your colleagues when, in fact, uh, Jeffrey Wright's character, Thelonious Monk here, he really had a notion that he should write force, trying to, to comply with the standards that don't really align with his own spirituality as a writer. I guess I'm saying is that, that many academic writers are writing a kind of language and thought process that isn't always natural to them, but they need to do it in order to get published and in order to get tenure. So it's a, it, it, this really hits it, I thought, very well. Well, it's all, this is also more about him being published as a marketable writer mm-hmm. to the public, not mm-hmm. in academic circles. Mm-hmm. And so you have that layer of success at the published word level, and then you have that layer of the success of it's been the rights have been purchased for cinematic expression right, of, right. of the story and and we get both of those layers here and it's really you can see him struggling and what makes Jeffrey Wright's performance so wonderful is you can see on his face that he's struggling with this dichotomy of what he believes to be right and should be right with how much do you debase yourself and pander to what's marketable in an industry that is still controlled by white people slash white yeah, men yeah, and yeah. what their stereotypes are of what will sell in terms of stories about black. Oh, yeah. So the irony is with the overall movie, you know, you're sold on this, him debasing himself to write my pathology and then you're given this story of what his family is, which is complex, um, accomplished, complex, upper middle class, dysfunctional, deeper and more humanistic than the tropes of my pathology, which has gun violence, father abandonment, yeah. children, um, drugs, yeah. Yeah. All these the- stories that yeah. Hollywood and book publishers think will sell yeah. and that the other type of story about people of color will not sell. Yeah. So you have this long running dichotomy throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. of that tension, exactly. which is very, in terms of writing, very clever. I think it's, it was very, probably very hard to do over to sustain it over a two hour film. And I thought Cord Jefferson did a very, oh, very good I, job you know, in his feature film debut, by the way, yes, as a writer and director. Yes, And it is so universal in its approaches, such as to the difficulties of writing and the difficulties of, of uh, gaining 
the uh, approbation of your colleagues. Best scene, the one where they're berating him for making the, the co-ed in his class cry. Oh, <laughs> which opens the film, actually, I know, and it's so, which you could relate to you know, as I, a performer, can, professor. So, so definitely. <laughs> and, you can, and what Wright is so good in underplaying all of this, that, but his face expresses his, his almost disbelief. <laughs> For instance, the student didn't like the N-word up on the board. And which that's was one the of my title f- of the book that they're discussing. Yes, thank you. So it's you. not like it was up there. Yeah, it's one of Flannery randomly. O'Connor's really most brilliant stories. But even when I read it years ago, I said, gee, she says, the artificial nigger? Wow, that's, a, that's, that's some kind of a title. And, but <laughs> I, you know, Flannery O'Connor, of course, doesn't care. And she's got it spot on for that story. And perfect and so right just expresses his frustration as a professor who's trying to open up the minds of his students and this this other this student this female student is offended by that not not realizing there's a difference between calling somebody that and actually using it as a title that does refer importantly to the story so yes <laughs> so uh and and right is just perfect because he so seemingly underplays but he is smoldering inside and his face is a perfect tablet for his almost disbelief <laughs> his exactly American, his fellow and, and he and he really has to carry this film and carry that disbelief about not only that student and the publishing world and the movie world but also with his family yes and and he is in i think almost every scene yeah. the brilliance of american fiction for me is that you and i can sit here and talk about it <laughs> <laughs> and and not claim to know a whole lot about black culture, but we sure do know the academic scene. We sure do know the difficulty of expression. That's, that's, that's part of the brilliance of the film, because when you get to it, it is like everybody. It's all of us. It's things that we have felt before that we've had to experience before. Now, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say American fiction refers not only to Monk Ellison as a writer. He writes fiction, but I think it also globally refers to how we fool ourselves in imagining this fictional world of the stereotypes and tropes that are are really pointedly brought out and made fun of in the film. And so it's, it's, I think it refers to fiction on two levels, not just the subject matter of of the particular character and, and what he does for a living, but also that broader, how we create fiction as to what we believe to be true. Somehow it, it transitions from being fiction to true and leads to the stereotypes yes. and the tropes and yes. all that he's experiencing on a professional yeah. level. I think uh, before we uh, go to the family, I just like to express my delight at the scene with the publisher. And these two representatives of the publishing company are so clueless. I mean, they're they're one case where the whites do not come off very well. No, and they shouldn't. (laughs) I know. they. But I would imagine, you know, what makes something funny and satirical is that it's usually based on truth. So I'm guessing that (laughs) the writer of the original novel, which is Erasure, was published, I think, about 20 or 30 years ago by Percy. Everett. Everett. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. He, I would imagine he experienced this. And oh. something of note, which in doing a little bit of research, in Erasure, 
the novel, yes. the entire novel, my pathology, yes. is actually within oh. a novel of erasure. So it's mm. quite layered. Um, oh. It had to be a very interesting read, and I apologize uh, for not having read it yet. The performance by Sterling Brown. K. Brown as Clifford, his brother, is very good. In fact, I think he may have gotten the Golden Globes. He was at least nominated for that. And he may be nominated for Best Supporting Actor as we come up. Yeah, he's uh, very good. Yeah, and what makes his such a powerful... Again, it goes back to portraying the human existence of all of us. Here we have Cliff, who has been an absentee brother and is successful as a plastic surgeon, but we come to learn that his life has been a facade to a certain extent, and he is a gay man in black culture and also, you know, as a highly successful plastic surgeon. And he's living in a a community out West that isn't very friendly to someone of his sexual orientation. So it, he plays it in such a way that he's very funny in his interactions with his family. But then you also sense the pain that he's in by his actions. And it's a, it's a, difficult balanced I think oh. to portray that and he does it beautifully which what which is what makes his performance just so strong and it plays up the whole idea of authentic versus inauthentic in, yes. in, in the writing and so on and now in the family I mean who is he really is a gay man and that the little scene between him and his brother uh, Monk is so perfectly done you have an idea of the great writing in which Brown's character Clifford expresses the fact that he wished his father knew that he was gay. Monk comes back with, well, supposing he didn't accept you. He said, well, at least he would have known me as who I am. What a great notion. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it was very, and that was, uh, I think, the final scene between the brothers, ah. for other reasons, is also very powerful, because he actually lectures his brother, Monk, about allowing himself to be loved. Yes, 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 so good. Because Monk still is kind of inscrutable in his own way. He's so quiet and so... Rigid. Yes. (laughs) It's a good word. Right. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, and seemingly judgmental, as he says, they're like a Buddha many times just absorbing everything. And you know he's he's smart enough, he's factoring everything in, but in the end, he has distanced himself. I think you're right. That's the key to his character is that he needs to get in touch. Now, fortunately... And perhaps more of the American fiction, there's a beautiful attorney across the street from him. <laughs> what do you know? Isn't that lucky? Played by Erica Alexander, <laughs> and she's really wonderful in her role. Also, uh, the other women in the supporting cast, we have Issa Rae playing Centara Golden, who's, yes. who's the writer that, in Monk's mind, represents everything that he hates about the publishing industry and pandering. She has written a bestseller called Wees Lives in the, the Ghetto, I yeah, think. God, yeah, getting that. Right. Their paths end up crossing when they're judging a literary contest together. And he learns that perhaps all is not what he thinks about her and her writing because they actually share some very similar views, ironically, about the book that he's written under the pseudonym, which has 
taken off (laughs) and is actually submitted for this literary award that they're judging. But nobody knows that he has written it. So he has to walk another tightrope to steer clear of it. But she's wonderful. Tracy Ellis Ross is wonderful Mm -hmm. as the sister Lisa. She's the other doctor in the family. And then there's a lovely turn by Leslie Uggams, who I have not seen in a film in quite some time, although she's continued to act. And she plays the mother who you sense and and is subsequently diagnosed with dementia slash Alzheimer's disease. And having had a mother who unfortunately suffered from that disease, and I think you have as well, I I thought her portrayal and the, the portrayal in general of what happens within a family dynamic was spot on. And you have to give praise to Cord Jefferson, the director, for keeping it down. And so that even in the case of mom, it's kind of low-key. In the case of, what is it, their cook or their their housemate? Housekeeper. Yeah, housekeeper. What a delightful Lorraine. turn that is. Yes. <laughs> and, and the uh, local cop who's in love with her, and they, yeah. and they marry it. That, you know, that's a pretty darn nice turn for them. It was a very nice <laughs> turn. And again, it just showed the humanity of their family life. Even though they're middle class and successful, we come to learn that the father's death was very tragic. You have this lifetime companion and household employee in Lorraine who loves the family like her own and has this joy and joyful moment she brings to them, even in the midst of other things happening, specifically with their mother having to move into a care or assisted living facility. And that's life. That's life for all of us. And that's the interesting dichotomy, as I said earlier, between what's happening to him, Monk, professionally with this, my pathology that was written as a joke, and now it's taking off, and he's having to continue the charade of of the pseudonym that they create an outrageous backstory for so, so that he can't make appearances in public. He's a fugitive from the law. Very complex entertaining film. And And I think right to the end. The ending is challenging. The ending is challenging. And and my friends who I saw it with, Susan, Jody, and Gina, shout out to them. Two of them did not really like the ending. I understand it. As well. And I understood it as well. But after I learned more about the actual novel, I understood why they they chose the ending the way that they did. I think it's in line with the spirit of that novel. Yeah. And and I found it perplexing in some regard but yet the last shot i understood exactly what it was, exactly what it was about but when you think about how a writer filmmaker has a choice in this ending here's one way it could end right then here's another way it could end right and it shows that he's evolved to a certain extent uh, monk has and that he's willing to consider more broadly, yes. other endings. Yeah, good point, yeah. And um, so it showed an evolution somewhat driven by their mother's financial needs. For those of you who have not had to venture into oh the world oh of, of care for yeah. somebody with Alzheimer's, it's very expensive, <laughs> whether it's in a facility or in your yes. home. Yeah. He was in a position where, even though his brother is a plastic surgeon... <laughs> Um, he's spending his money in other ways, as we learn, and, and always has been an outsider to yes. the family and not really involved yeah. in it. So Monk feels the burden of being the patriarch and the provider for yeah. their mom. There's a lot of people out there in our audience who have experienced something like this. So you'll be very pleased. 
So, Mary Arena, it's called American Fiction. I, I suspect you agree with me that it's, it's a sleeper a little bit for most Americans. They're saying, American what? Why haven't I heard about this? And I can't tell you exactly why you haven't heard about it, why it wasn't entered months ago. But there are always there's a variety of reasons why. Well, this film premiered in September at the Toronto International Film Festival and actually won the audience award um, and has gone on to appear in numerous small and larger film festivals and generally has been nominated and or received awards. In fact, the American Film Institute has picked it as one of its top 10 films of 2023. So it certainly has the pedigree of endorsement from numerous well-established organizations, and hopefully it'll stay in the theaters and or be streaming right. long enough for people to see it. Because it's it's not a perfect film, but it's definitely oh, yeah. worth a trip to the theater, and I do hope it receives yeah. some accolades and recognitions. And his situation the with awards. the general public is very similar to our to Monk's position in his writing. You know, what do you have a film that you want to be accepted by the general population? And I just don't think this one has gotten to the place where it needs to be, uh, where everybody knows the way it knows uh, uh, Oppenheimer or Barbie or well, whatever. That's a jug- those are two juggernauts that'll be hard to <laughs> I overcome. Know, I know. But you will be rewarded oh, if you seek sure. this film out because it's definitely, um, it's from a new voice in filmmaking. First-time writer-director Cord Jefferson, although he has been a writer for a long yeah. time. It really makes you think about people's experience and the humanity of it. And this was about a black family in America, but quite frankly, it could be any part of our society, people within our society of for whom such strong stereotypes and barriers to achievement exist. It's called American Fiction. <laughs> 